It sounds obvious. But more often than not, our breath's dictating what we're doing in the ocean and how we're behaving, how much energy we have. So how do we become better drivers of our body? How do we understand breath and the power that it has over us while we're out there surfing so that we can enjoy it more? To kind of talk about this, I sat down with Sally Howe, who runs the Women's Zombie Community and is also a surf coach and a surf apnea coach to really figure out and talk about like, how does someone who's interested in understanding breath work, how do we take control of this and understand it better to help us navigate some of the ups and downs of surfing, the moments of frustration when we're feeling out of our body and not really in control. When you start to understand breath and how that can control your body, how you can use it to find new reservations of energy or also just calm down and reset. It becomes a powerful tool. And it's something that when you're training and you're coaching, you might not be consciously aware that more often than not, a lot of people are just not breathing. And it sounds silly and it's just like, go back, do that again, breathe. And people are like, what do you mean I'm not breathing? It's like, yeah, that's probably one of the number one things I encounter when coaching people. So this is a whole conversation around breath work also we go into the whole Wim Hof and apnea and there's differences between those two things and not everything aligns. So if you're new to Ombi, this podcast, it's all about straight to the point tips, things that you can take away, implement into your surfing or things that change the way you view your surfing. And that is the whole purpose of this conversation today. So here it is, my conversation with Sally Howe. Hey Sally, thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. Um, so for those who aren't aware, Sally, how you do quite a lot of things. Um, you are doing the women's group. So most of the men who are listening to this have no idea who you are because you do the women's Ombi group, which is exclusive only to women for an obvious reason. But you do a hell of a lot more. And we've just done three days of wavepool coaching together. And I wanted to bring you in to talk about some of the things that came up during that regarding breath work um, and so much more. But do you want to give a rough introduction to what you actually do as your surf coach, breath work, so many other things, you'll better explain it yeah. than I can. Sure. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me on as well, which is um, pretty amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I'm based on the east coast of Australia um, in Tweed, well, kind of Tweed, Kulmagatta, because I'm right on the border. Um, and I'm a, a surf coach here, but I also teach functional breath training. So it's a little bit different to breath work. Um, breath work's kind of more classified in the breathing world as working the breath to be able to get some sort of um, experience from it, um, whereas um, the training that I'm interested in is how people breathe functionally every day, like how they're breathing when they go into the supermarket, when they're picking up the kids, when they're cooking dinner. Um, so that's that's part of uh, what I do um, to be able to correct uh, dysfunctional breathing patterns. But the other part of what I do as well is surf apnea training. So this is uh, about how to be able to control the breath when you're in the water, um, when you're surfing, but not necessarily just surfing, it could be just any water uh, or ocean activity. 
Um, but most importantly is how you deal with your uh, yourself, your mind and your body and your breath after or, or during a, a hold down um, and how you come out of that as well. Now, the functional breath training comes into that quite a lot because how you're breathing on land is going to um, influence what your breathing's doing in the water because of those habitual breathing patterns. Um, so yeah, I work with people one-on-one -on -one to correct those dis dysfunctional breathing patterns and also run workshops with the surf apnea um, area, which is what, what we did, what I did when, when we met in uh, Bristol at the Wave Pool, which, um, yeah, which was really good. Cool. Um, so something that's just popped in my head as you're saying that, like I'm probably a bit more aware of this than most people who are listening, but what actually is a dysfunctional breath? Yes, that's a great question. Um, so we are designed to be able to breathe through our nose um, unless you are doing some sort of physical activity. So we have um, a, a tolerance point. Everybody's got a different tolerance point, and this is based on what your sensitivity is to CO2. Um, and when you reach that, uh, that tolerance point, we can change from nasal breathing to mouth breathing. Now, what tends to happen is that um, if people are breathing from their mouth and they're breathing shallow into their chest and they're breathing fast, then that tends to be more of a dysfunctional breathing pattern because we're not designed to breathe like that all the time. We're designed to breathe like that for short bouts of time when we're under demand or we're needing to be able to create energy. Um, and then we should be going back to nasal breathing, which is slow, low, you know, down, down the bottom. And most of our main breathing muscles are actually in the bottom two thirds of our torso and the top third up in our chest is where you have um, what we call auxiliary muscles, breathing muscles, and they're designed to be switched on for a short amount of time, then switched off because they're smaller. They're a lot smaller than those um, main breathing muscles, and that the, the biggest breathing muscle we have is our diaphragm. So, um, part of dysfunctional breathing is the inability to be able to um, have tone and strength and stability with that functional with that um, diaphragmatic muscle. Um, now, if you're breathing from your chest, you're going to be bypassing all those muscles. And, and so the, the, you know, getting breathless, breathing through your mouth, breathing faster becomes, uh, a more regular occurrence, which is classed as more dysfunctional breathing. And that can happen during the day, but it can also happen at night, which leads into snoring and can lead into, um, sleep apnea and other, other types of, uh, breathing issues as well. So. How does someone identify this? So my awareness is a severe lack of nasal breathing and belly breathing is kind of it's a summary It's not just belly breathing because um, it's really interesting, this whole topic about belly breathing. And, and it's something that I've picked up with a lot of my clients when we do um, a particular breathing exercise that isolates different areas of the torso, that belly breathing is fantastic to do in a yoga class, for example. Um, and it's just using that that bottom that bottom third of, of the, um, the the muscles, um, but the, the middle third, it's, which is where your rib cage is, it's kind of like from underneath your armpits to the bottom two ribs. That's actually really, really quite a strong area, and it is the widest part of our rib cage. So if you imagine, if you have no strength and 
mobility in those ribs. If you're trying to breathe in, then it's going to be like filling up a balloon inside of a rigid cage. So being able to have that, um, that the movement within that middle area is really, really important. Um, but when, when I say like breathing down low, I'm including the belly because that's obviously your, your, when the diaphragm contracts, it pushes down and that's what pushes out the organs. That's why the belly moves. Um, and um, the second third, which is the ribs. And we don't just breathe into our belly and it rises and falls. We breathe or we should be breathing 360 degrees around. So it's, it's breathing as a cylinder. And around the back of our ribs, um, it, you know, the, in the middle of the back is actually the widest part um, where we can get the most movement if you know how to use that area, if you know, have connection with those muscles. And that's, that's really important when you're surfing, right? Because you're lying on a board. So you don't want to be breathing in and out through, through your belly and trying to do, you know, force, forceful belly breathing. It's being able to engage the muscles around the back to be able to expand. And that's where you get a lot of your air coming in and out in a, in a regular type of flow. <clears throat> so I got a couple of questions. I'm going to just try and do them yeah. one at a time. But say someone's got really bad dysfunctional breathing yep. and surfing. Yes. How does that compound or feel or look? Yes. So let's, let's not talk about like a, a specific event. Yeah. But like no, no. How, how does that kind of happen? So if I'm looking, if I look over to someone who's got dysfunctional breathing and they're paddling out the back, for example, I would see someone with their mouth gaping open um, breathing quite fast, their face would be quite tense, but they're paddling and their body will be quite tense. Um, and, and they will be out of breath really, really, really quickly. They'll be lacking energy as well. So they're kind of pushing through, um, and just look, not looking, um, calm and in control of the situation kind of very much of an out of control deer in headlights type of, um, facial expression. What does that feel like for the person who's going through it? Um, like they are on the border of having a panic attack because, you know, that, that, that mouth breathing ignites the nervous system, right? So if you're constantly just feeding that, you're, you've got two parts of your autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest, and your sympathetic, which is that fight flight. And up the top of your lungs sits most of, of the um, sympathetic nerve receptors and the parasympathetic are down more of the bottom. So if you're breathing fast into the chest and it's, and it's really rapid breathing, then you're igniting the nervous system to be able to be on. And when it's on, and, you, and especially if you're not used to those sensations and you um, had past experiences that, you know, that the sensations trigger a thought of a past experience, then panic and fear can come really, really easily to that person. And then they just start to be able to feel that adrenaline, you know, and make some shake or shuts down the frontal cortex, which is the stress response. And, and it's very hard to think it rationally in that situation. And it's very hard to be able to create strength and control in that situation as well. So that's really interesting for me. Like uh, we're both surf coaches, but mm. we spend a lot of time like trying to highlight how important breath is for functional movement, stress, yep. maintaining all these things. But it's also one of those things that like, how do you gain control of it? And people don't have the awareness of how important and how much it dominates you 
like if you're dysfunctional breathing, if you're in a really stressed negative environment, the breath is a key to stop most of that happening. Yeah. And then how do you use that? And yeah. I think there's a couple of people, especially in the community recently, have just kind of turned around and been like, holy crap, I've kind of now realized how important the breathwork stuff is that if I'm starting in a negative dysfunctional breath before I've even started, I'm kind of setting myself up for failure. Yeah, exactly. And and what you uh, highlight with talking to those people in the community is they're starting to be, you know, create self-awareness. And you, you can't change anything until you have awareness of what you're doing at the beginning. And that applies to so many different areas of life. Um, but I mean, I was having this conversation with someone the other day that, you know, if someone's feeling stressed and, and they're in that fight flight state, they're not going to be able to want to just go into some nice, gentle breathing when you're in a, you know, on a surfboard and there's massive waves or, or any waves coming, you know, it's a stimulating environment. Um, so it's really about being able to, um, first of all, get to know your body when you're in that state. Um, and then it's, it's getting to know uh, what the triggers are because the triggers are really important. Some people can get into the state even before they get in the water. Some people can psych themselves out when they're, when they're in the car or when they're at home and they're like, oh, no, I've still got to do it. I've got to push through. I've got to push through. And, and it's not about the pushing through that creates skill. It's about actually being honest about, well, this is how I feel right now and putting a word to it or an image or, or being able to describe that feeling is a really important way of accepting it um, and then being able to work with it afterwards because, you know, a lot of us tend to uh, feel things and I think society has taught us to be able to uh, quash those feelings, ignore them. Um, you know, just got to get on with things. You know, you just keep, put on a brave keep pushing. Face. Yeah, put on a brave face, push through. You'll be all right. But all you're doing with that is being out. You're suppressing a, a, a feeling, and and at some point the body breaks and the, and the mind breaks because it can't. You can't suppress those feelings forever. It comes out in all sorts of different ways. So just even being able to sit with it and go. Well, I felt really tense in that session, you know, and afterwards just sitting with yourself and going, well, why was that? What did I feel? I mean, that was an amazing start. Just being able to describe that is is really good. Yeah, literally just putting up your hand and saying, I've got a problem. Yeah. Even if that's internally. And it's not necessarily cast as a problem because we are emotional beings and we are designed to feel negative emotions as well as positive emotions. So I don't see... Um, conflict or negative, you know, conflict within yourself or negative emotions that rise to the surface. I, I've never seen that as as being a problem. I see that as an opportunity to be able to create something else. So it's all about how you frame it. Agreed. Um, so there's a couple of ways of we can take this conversation from here, and and one of them eventually that I want to get to is how you control and manage those things. But the other thing also is that. If you're hearing this or you're aware of this and you're feeling these things, you want to start getting involved in more breath work, breath training, yeah. all the variations of that, which then leads you to what I've done a lot of Wim Hof stuff. Mm. And you said something that kind of like I was not paying 100% attention when I first heard this and it just like pulled me up and I was like, wait, what was that? When you said that Wim Hof kind of versus apnea, there's a severe difference Massive. And someone who goes and practices Wim Hof and takes it into the surf, it's not really suited for that. No, 
is yeah, you said it so much better so i'll let you take <laughs> it but yeah kind of just i i was complete like what, yeah. what, what what did you just say like say that again yeah so i mean uh, this is not going to be a conversation about slating uh, slating wim hof because i i truly believe that wim hof has um and, real value for the right people in the right situation but so for, i'll jump in on that yeah for me and my partner during covid lockdown amazing yeah. waking up every morning we couldn't drive to the surf yeah. great for like energizing our body for an everyday situation yeah amazing bro yeah absolutely but if somebody's got a dysfunctional breathing uh pattern already wim hof is not about retraining your the functions of breathing i know wim hof is starting to change um what he talks about and talks about more nasal breathing um but it's it's two different things it's it's a breath technique to be able to uh, change the pH of the blood to be able to have a release of endorphins. You're basically putting your body into a stress state for a short period of time, and it feels good, right? I mean, like like you said, you you couldn't go to the surf. You were doing that. It, it kind of sets you straight for the rest of the day, and you're feeling as though it's like a little bit of a workout in a way. Um, but when we come to uh, the water, um, what's really, really important there is um, – and this, we're going to go into talking about the Bohr effects, right? And that this is um, a physiological state of the gas exchange between oxygen coming in the body and CO2 coming out of the body. And put simply, when oxygen comes into the body, it can only detach from the blood cells and disassociate into the, the organs or the muscles or the brain if there's a presence of carbon dioxide, okay? So you think about we breathe out carbon dioxide Wim Hof is about breathing heavily through the mouth um, for, for like fast for, for uh, short periods of time and then breath holding. Now, the reason why somebody can hold their breath for a long period of time is because they've just dumped a whole lot of CO2 out of their body. And CO2 triggers the urge to breathe. It's your alarm response. Okay. So when you hold your breath normally without doing Wim Hof, you'll get a, an urge to breathe. You want to breathe. And that's because the CO2 is rising in your blood. Now, when you do Wim Hof, that disappears. And then, yeah, you get oxygenated. But if you're holding your breath for a long period of time, that urge to breathe tends to shift along. Say if you had a graft, it shifts along towards, you know, the end of the time you're holding. And over that period of time, the oxygen starts to come down. So that alarm response doesn't come in. And if the oxygen gets too low, you can pass out. And if you're in the water and you're alone in the water, that means you pass out in the water and it's not a good situation. So Wim Hof is, is just for the land. It's, you know, for um, an experience situation that, that you want, you know, an experiential experience uh, situation. Whereas the, yeah, whereas the, the the apnea is very much about training the CO2 um, over long periods of time. So, you know, um, if I'm working with a client, we just do small increments of change each time that we do um, some exercises. And over a period of time, the CO2 tolerance or your resilience to CO2 gets more, thus meaning you can hold your breath for longer because that alarm response isn't kicking in all the time. Okay. Now, when you're in the surf um, and you're paddling out, like um, doing exercise, um, metabolizing food, 
holding your breath, that rises, CO2 rises in your body, right? When you're paddling out and you're huffing and puffing, if you're if you get onto your board and you sit there and you continue to huff and puff, you're you're just you're going from high CO2 to down, dumping too much if you're huffing and puffing. So you need to be able to do a particular technique, uh, which is the recovery technique, where you just offload a little bit of that CO2 and then take it into nasal breathing, and that brings everything back and it makes you recover so much faster, so much faster. So a couple of things that come up, and I think yeah, we we. Both of us are proponents for Wim Hof. There's some really good stuff there. And I think he's an amazingly charismatic person. And and what you were trying to, a lot of that stuff there is it kept triggering his own marketing catchphrases, which were high on your own supply. And when I think of that, I'm like, yep, that's exactly how I felt. It felt amazing. I enjoyed it. Um, I've since fallen out of it just because of, you know, life changes, practices, habits Mm. fall away. But it's never something that I thought about doing before surfing. Because yeah. I guess me and my personality type, I want to relax and be calm. Yeah. I always want to try and be as calm as I can doing something. And that never gave me that. But then when you said that, it made me realize like, maybe there is people going out there and doing that. And then the other thing that I want to draw attention to is big wave surfers. Mm. Most of them, as far as I'm aware, I don't go around and talk to every single one of them. They're doing apnea training for an yeah. obvious reason. Yeah. And it makes so much more sense when you explain how the body functions. And when I started going through it, I was like, yes, this makes entire sense. There's a reason the big wave surfers are more becoming aware of how they function with their body. And this is that something that an everyday surfer can train and learn and feel and take control of their body and their mind. And when you were going through it and you were saying how it's all connected to body, mind, breath, they're all interlinked. And if one's missing, then the system's kind of out of place. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, just going back to you know what you were saying about Wim Hof. I um, I've got a very overreactive nervous system, um, and I actually um, I've tried Wim Hof, and I actually found that it it switched my nervous system on too much that I couldn't switch off. So I have to um, do lots of uh, slow type of breathing, um, and uh, and I do do some stimulating stuff, but I can't do it every day. It's not one of these things of like I do I do this particular breathing because it's based on a, a a breathing technique called Tumo breathing. So there's lots of different kind of fast breathing stuff that you can do. Um, but it's being able to know your body type. I, mean, I have a particular condition that that my nervous system um, triggers triggers my heart to beat a little bit too fast. So I have to be quite aware of that. And a lot of people that are starting to do breath training or breath work. Um, I feel there needs to be a little bit more screening involved because, you know, if I didn't know anything and I just started Wim Hof and I wasn't aware of this condition, then, you know, it it could have kind of like pushed me to being um, a little bit too buzzy and and not being able to sleep. And and the idea is, is that you want to be on and then you want to be able to switch off. And, and, And that's why... Uh, um, I teach and I practice like on breathing, you know, the fast breathing and then the off breathing because we need to teach the nervous system how to be on when it needs to be on, like when you catch a wave. And then when you paddle back out and sit on your board, you need to be able to recover and switch off and then take in the environment to be able to do that. And and that's what the big wave surfers have been able to uh, a training for because, you know, when you're in massive surf, you can't, you got to have some sort of recovery when you when you're getting back out there. And the the training that I've done is um, based on um, uh, the original training was was from a guy called Augusto Vegas, 
Um, so he is a Peruvian big wave surfer and um, a free diving, uh, free diver and a, a spear fisherman as well. And, um, you know, and he's been able to create this training and teach it to thousands of people around the world. Um, and more and more I see, even with the WSL, I see that um, there's surfers that are, are sitting waiting to go out for their heat and they're doing some sort of hyperventilation. Now, what I want to know is are they being able to bring their CO2 levels up again before they paddle out? Because, you know, if you're offloading all of that, then you're going to be able to you're getting confused. You're, you're tingling. It's it's you know it's it's being able to use yeah. it in the right situation. So which that that opens up so many other questions and things that this isn't the right conversation to have it. But I feel like uh, for those who are listening, the WSL is not the place to like take things away from and be like, oh, what's Mick Fanning doing? And I'm like, Mick Fanning's like your top zero point one percent of surfers who is in a competitive environment and you are potentially a weekend warrior going out for your once to twice a week surf in three high slop, you know, mm. yeah, doesn't really, and the way they're surfing and what they're doing and how they're preparing for it. I'm just like, it's not really applicable to most people. And also we're seeing a snippet of it. So they may be doing like the end of a series of whatever they're doing, you know, or the beginning of a series, like, so you can't just go, oh, they're doing that. I'm going to do that. You know, it's, yeah, you have to be yeah. able to and know their, what the whole picture is. Their whole support team, like yeah. between coach, trainers, physios, uh, the support staff from the WSL, there is like probably 20 people yeah. involved on just coaching one person yeah. to success. It's, um, yeah, extreme. So a couple other questions, I guess, that come up through this is that kind of understanding that what type of breath, the dysfunctional breath, um, mm. How does someone get involved in this? So someone who's listening to this is sitting here thinking like, yes, I understand. Like, so from a coaching perspective, backtrack a bit. Yeah. We've probably, if you're listening to this, you've heard this before, but hopefully you understand that through breath work or just not even breath work, just breathing, breathing Mm -hmm. out, you move better, function better. So your ability to do turns or different things in surfing is much easier when you breathe out during that and having control over your breath, yada, yada, yada. It just feels better. So if you don't know how to do that, go try and make your body feel tensed and then breathe out and release that tension and see how you feel and move. That's a really simple thing to do. So hopefully you understand that and you now start understanding the importance of breath and how you need to be better at it, understand your body, everything else. So if you're in that mindset, now you obviously you're in the Gold Coast. You run workshops, one on ones. You do a bunch of stuff down there. Uh, Flow State is your business name, correct? Yeah, Flow State Mind yep. Breath Motion. Yeah. Um, so people can find you that way. But say just someone's listening to this and they're not in the Gold Coast or whatever else. Like, how does someone generally get started in undergoing the process of I want to learn more and understand yeah. my body with breath? So um, I work with people online um, and have done for a, a few years now. Um, And what I do with everybody that I work with one-on-one is that um, start off with a session of a breath assessment. And it's, that's really, really important to be, for me to be able to get to know um, how this person eats, how they sleep, how they think, um, if they've had, uh, have or had asthma um, or any other um, medical conditions, uh, what medication they're on, what supplements they're on. Um, and 
that's um, really important to go through that questionnaire. But then I also do some breathing assessments with them as, as well. So there's an assessment that I do that um, measures their tolerance or, or their, their resilience to, to CO2. Um, and then also an assessment to be able to see uh, how quickly they get breathless as well. Um, so when after I've got all that information, then I can design um, a six-session uh, package um, where the um, breathing exercises are related to the, the, the findings of the assessment. So everything's personalized to, to that person. And the one thing about breathing is you cannot get um, changes quickly. Like you can't say to somebody, right, okay, in the next week you're going to be doing a three-minute breath hold um, because is the breathing – is such a survival thing for us. And it's like the number one thing that we have to be able to be doing every moment of the day. So if we push anything to do with the breathing too far, then the brain can can sometimes um, remember that as a trauma. And then that becomes a past experience. And then, you know, that's, that's something that stays with that person. So it's all about um, gradual changes on a regular basis. So whatever breathing stuff we do within the training session, then I encourage that person to be able to not do the same breathing session every single day, but to choose one or two of those exercises and incorporate it into their day. And especially if they're busy, they don't, may not have time to be able to lie down and breathe. So I'm like, okay, well, when you when you go um, for a walk, you can be doing this walking breath exercise or when you're sitting at your desk, you can be doing some breath holds, out breath holds while you're sitting at the desk. And it's really about being able to incorporate it into everyday life. So we're changing the habitual breathing patterns in, in real life. And we're also working on that, that uh, gas exchange, but it's also working on the emotions because if you start getting used to those sensations and start recognizing it, like I said at the beginning, that self-awareness, then that's going to be a lot uh, of it. It's going to be a lot easier to be able to change those uh, dysfunctional breathing patterns. Mm. So it sounds like for someone who wants to get into this, they've really got to talk to someone in the know, a professional mm -hmm. like yourself, because it sounds for lack of a better term, like you need to go and get diagnosed like a doctor because the way my breath functions is going to be very different to my partners, Absolutely. to my friends, to this and that. And it's not just jump in, here's your your workout routine, go and do 10 reps of this, yada, yada, yada. That's just not going to function. Yeah. It's not going to work. Yeah. So for someone Absolutely. who is serious about changing their breath and learning to be better to then also not just like, I kind of view this as my personal opinion, do this for your life. Don't do this for surfing. Yeah, and, and this is very here. much, yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah. Um, surfing is like a, a byproduct for me. Like there's so many things I talk about in this podcast and other things that it's just like, just go be a better human. Mm. That, that's going to be everywhere. And breath, 100%, better sleep, better everything. Stress management. Gym exercise, it's, stress. Even work. digestion of your food. Like you can't digest food if you're in a stressed state. All the blood goes to your limbs, you know. So, I mean, lots of gut problems um, tend to come from being stressed and, and breathing too heavily and fast, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you are interested, you can yep. obviously chat to, to Sally about that. I'll put that in the show notes, a link to your website. Um, yeah, thank you. How to contact you. But someone wants to get into it, really either Sally or someone similar. 
That's where yeah. you need to go down the path of finding that and identifying how you're breathing and how to do that. When this gets to their surfing, mm-hmm. how, how will they see an impact? How will they see a change? So the biggest impact they're going to be able to see is the uh, amount of energy that they have and how sustainable that energy will be. And that's mostly uh, because of muscle strength. Like if they start breathing from the, the lower two thirds and they start connecting with those muscles, which are bigger breathing muscles, and they start building strength with those bigger breathing muscles, then as soon as they have a load and they have an energy output, then those muscles aren't going to tire as quickly as what they would have done when they were weaker. So that means that you're going to be able to have slower breath, uh, more controlled breath for a lot longer, which means that you're not going to feel any of those sensations of that, you know, that air hunger or that panic, which is then going to have an impact on you emotionally, which makes you feel a lot a lot more mentally stronger as well. So it's it's a massive effect, I think. And um it's it's something that I think is underestimated how much it can benefit um in surfing, but also in day-to-day stuff, you know. So if you get triggered emotionally, you can keep that breath nice and slow, or you can uh do a, a you know a particular technique that I teach and then bring it back down. Because we are designed to get heightened and then come back down again. So yeah. Absolutely. So that, I think I want to put this into a little story for people listening to really understand that. And it's one I've told before, but like fitness in surfing, I tend to think is a load of bollocks sometimes because mm-hmm. it's not about how big or how muscular you are. It's about how you use and function your body, yeah. which breath, mind, body, fitness, everything. So when I was back in Australia and the first time I met you, which was 18 months or so ago, uh, lovely to be home. Surfing Corumban Alley, which for those who aren't aware, is a point break that can have a lot of sweep. So you are endlessly paddling. You're at a point break, which you could paddle for 20 minutes to get back up to the top of the peak, or you could be on a sweep and you just endlessly paddle and kind of catch a wave and then run around. But we went out there with a um, close friend of Mombi, uh, James, who's quite muscular and goes to the gym and is doing bodybuilding. So he's quite big. Uh, then you had me, who's kind of an average fitness i would go to the gym but i'm not bulking i'm not this i'm not that i'm just like i want to be a better driver of my body and then you have clay who does no exercise nothing nothing (laughs) Nothing. like clay is not a fit person in my mind he serves and that's it (laughs) that's all he does um so on this day obviously i've currently living in the uk uh point breaks don't exist so being paddle fit for Point breaks wasn't in my body prior to this trip, but Mm. being out in the the point breaks there and the sweep, and James was so shocked because he just had no energy. He could barely paddle. Uh, He spent the whole session struggling, and I'm looking at him just going like, you know, a lot of this is to do with how stressed he is. He is a beginner. He doesn't have as much experience. He's not like a learn-to-surf beginner. He's paddling out the back on on a bigger board, but... He doesn't have the experience that everyone else does. He doesn't know how to be a good driver of his body out in the surf and breath work, looking at his face, the things that you said when you're dysfunctionally breathing, that is exactly how I describe him in that situation. You've got 500 of your closest friends on shoulder high waves at Cromwell Alley. It's packed. There's a lot of people. There's more people to dodge than waves to surf. Uh, And we're watching one point where I'm paddling up. I'm passing James. 
And then there's another point where Clay's just out paddling me. And I'm just sitting there looking at him going, bloody bastard. <laughs> and when you talk about this concept of like when your breath is really good and you have control over it and it connects with your body and your mind, I clearly look at that and go, that was Clay in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I had issues with my fitness, but I would definitely put my hand up and say that in that environment, I was not as calm as him. Um, even though I felt really calm, that's his bread and butter every day. Yeah. Goes out to Corumban, surfs the point break, surfs the beach break, surfs whatever. He is a calm, cool cat most of the time in the surf. I've never seen him stressed out. I know he's told me stories, but I've never seen him physically. And I directly link that to like, yes, James is super fit. He's got so much muscle. He should be able to out paddle us. And I'm like, he's stressed out and has no control over his breath. And that is destroying his ability to paddle. So through this long-winded story, I feel like if you're a listener, you're surfing, it doesn't matter how fit you are. If you're a good driver of your body and you can be similar to Clay, who is skin and bone, uh, doesn't have a lot of muscle, but control that body, surf smarter, paddle smarter, all those kind of things. So much better. Your yeah. body, feel more energy, all those things. It's a massive benefit to you to aim for that as a goal. And, and you also got to think that, like, that, you know, the, the diaphragm connects on to the spine, which gives spinal stability. Um, it's also um, the pelvic floor and the diaphragm, you know, very much work together as well. Um, and, and that's your core. So if you have um, efficient and functional breathing um those muscles are going to be more toned and they're going to be stronger that's meaning that your core is going to be stronger so and, and as you know when you're lying on a surfboard and when you're surfing the, the main thing if you, you need to be using is your core muscles so it's like it, it goes hand in hand like just enough in a in a, in a uh, biomechanics uh concept you know and, and in terms of the emotions and and your thoughts it's when if you're in a unusual uncomfortable situation um it's not about you can't change that situation but you can change how you think about the situation and you know if you're freaking out it's going to be really really hard to be able to go i need to breathe slowly um so being able to just you know do that do a recovery breath um have um a sequence of, of different thought patterns to be able to work through to be able to bring you out of that state is really, really important because when you're in the ocean, it's one of those um, few environments that if you don't have a handle on yourself and you panic, it's not a good situation because the ocean is bigger than us. The ocean is is powerful um, and, and we have to be able to make the right decisions to be able to stay safe as well as being able to surf the waves and having fun. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, completely agree. Is there anything else you wanted to add to this conversation around getting into breath work, understanding it a bit more? You know, I think someone who's listening to this should understand quite clearly how it benefits them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, sleep is a, is a major one that um, I think is underestimated as well, that um, how we breathe during the day influences how we breathe during the night. And we tend to, if you're a mouth breather during the day, you will most likely, uh, without, you know, me assessing you or, um, looking at how you're breathing, you're most likely going to be a, a, a snorer and, and a mouth breather at night. And, um, and it's really hard, especially, I mean, it's, it's easy if you've got a partner and they can say, yeah, you, you were snoring all night, but one of the ways that you can be able to, um, uh, 
see if you are a, a mouth breather is if you've had a full eight hours sleep and you haven't had any alcohol the night before um, or any big meals or anything, um, and you're waking up with a dry mouth and you're feeling as though that you've been hit by a bus, um, the chances are that you have had your engine idling all night um, and you've been mouth breathing, which as we are, uh, what I spoke about earlier is when you are mouth breathing, it triggers the nervous system, right? Um, and, and you'll be firing that, that uh, fight flight on a very low level all the way through the night, which takes energy. And it burns energy. So when you're waking up, even though you have been asleep, you ha- you've been idling all night um, and, it, and it's exhausting. So being able to, um, for the right people, and I only talk, talk to my clients about this, but you can tape your mouth. You can use things like this to be able to tape your mouth. This is one that is from Oxygen Advantage. This is, um, I'm an Oxygen Advantage coach um, and it's, basically just fits over the lips and you can still move your lips. You can still open your mouth. Um, and it's based on proprioception and proprioception is is where your brain knows where your body is in space. So it's really being able to just have something gentle, being able to bring the lips together. And the other thing that I use is that I cut a piece of surgical tape. So this is, um, like a furry tape that isn't very sticky, but it sticks enough. It doesn't rip your skin off. Um, and I normally cut a little bit and put it over, but some, like my husband has a beard, so he only puts it over his lips or you can put a little bit in the middle so you can have a gap either side. And that just enables the, the jaw to close and not, you know, tightly, but the lips close the jaw to come back. Yeah. Um, and, and then that encourages the nasal breathing because obviously when we're asleep, we don't know. What we're doing with our body so it just it's it's a tool it's a tool to use but i also say that um if you've got any prior um medical conditions or obviously if you've got a cold or a stuffy nose or hay fever or whatever you don't want to be doing this but it's something to be able to work towards and your bulk score or, or the way that i do the assessment for how tolerant you are to to co2 or how how um resistant you are to it um, the higher you get that score, the easier it is to be able to breathe. So the less likely it's going to be for you to be able to snore. So the quality of the sleep is really important because when you wake up the next day, if you're feeling stressed because you've had a bad sleep, then you're going to breathe badly. If you're feeling rested, mm. then you're going to be able to breathe nice and slowly. So, so I'm going to digest some of that and put into some uh, words for people to understand a bit more with a real time. So I, me and my partner both mouth tape. Yeah, um, what I want to uh, say to people is you are not flex taping your mouth. You're not sealing it shut. And you're um, not using you're, gaffer tape. <laughs> no. it's So if you want to think about like surgical tape is, is what we use. Um, yeah. Obviously, Sally, you can't see the video here, but showed a specific oh, yeah. tape that's set up for that. Um, it, it's, we use like 10 mil, so one centimeter wide surgical tape, and we just do a vertical strip from yeah. kind of under your nose to under your lip. And that just kind of invites it. But we also have the ability in our mouth to open and break open the, the tape that one end splits. So you're never like, you're never out of breath. You're never yeah. going to be in a difficult situation. Um, but I will say from personal experience, uh, my partner and I both have said this to each other frequently over the years of doing this, that uh, if we forget the mouth tape and we travel, 
if we misplace it, if we go to sleep without doing it, we wake up every morning and we're like, my mouth, my body feels like crap. I didn't put mouth tape on. We can, we're at a point where we can instantly tell from a night's yeah. sleep, did I do this? Did I not do it because of how my body feels? Uh, which then leads me to another question. Um, so we came upon this from the amazing book Breath by James Nestor. Yeah. Now, Fantastic I didn't look book. at that book. Great, answered my question. I didn't look at that book from the perspective of surfing. I just looked at that book about like, how do I be a better human? Yep. So that is a book that you would recommend for people who are also thinking about breath for surfing? Yeah. I Yeah, I think that is a great gateway book into learning about how your body functions and how your breath functions. Now, if you want to be able to use your breath um, to enhance your surfing, you have to understand how your breath is in any situation. Um, and uh, the thing that I like about that book is, um, one, it's really user-friendly, but it also talks about all breathing modalities. So it talks about Patrick McEwen with the um, Oxygen Advantage. It talks about Wim Hof. It talks about other types of breathing um, modalities. And then the experiment that he does with um, Alston in it is a really good eye-opener of um, – what happens when you mouth breathe over a long period of time? So he, him and Austin, they stuff uh, silicon plugs up their nose for two weeks and then they um, are studied by some scientists at Stanford University and, and you know, the results are outstanding, I think, um, and, and how quickly the body changes as well was, was really quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, I totally recommend that. And just one thing on the mouth taping, if if the concept of it, freaks you out which i totally understand because it's weird right <laughs> it's totally, it is it is a weird concept to be taping your mouth you when tell you're, people when you're not conscious do this yeah and they look at you like, like are you a fruit loop <laughs> yeah it's it is totally weird so what i um, recommend um is that you put it on during the day when you're reading a book watching tv um, and just get used to it first of all get used to the sensation of something on your lips get used to the fact that you're you're the nose um and for someone who's a chronic mouth breather that may be too strong first of all because you know breathing through the nose you have to breathe slower you have to breathe lower um and the uh that urge to breathe can kick in depending you know on where someone sits with their with their um resilience towards the co2 so experiment when you're fully conscious if you if it goes well and it's okay then you know it will take probably about a week um, we say about a week to get used to it when you're sleeping. I've woken it with it on my head, on my butt, on my elbow, you know, all sorts of different places. Because I'll just machine. take it off. Yeah, Sheets. take it off. Exactly. <laughs> you take it off uh, just completely subconsciously. So it does take a little bit of time. But I mean, I've been taping for about three years now, and I, I've pretty much got to the stage now where um, I can get away with not taping when I when I forget it. Um, but if I, uh, I get allergies, if I have had something that's triggered my allergies, I do tend to snore. So that's why I tend to, you know, keep, um, mm. keep taping, um, because yeah, because of those situations, it, but uh, everyone's individual. Everyone's individual. Yeah. Disclaimer. It won't stop the, uh, the nose snoring. That, no. That's still. And the reason being the with that is, is because the soft palate still vibrates. But, and that's why you have to work on your bulk test. That's why you have to work on building that resilience to CO2 because if, you're, if your resilience goes up, then you start to breathe slower. So that means the flow of air coming in is not going to be 
it's forceful. And that the, the soft palate only vibrates when there's forceful air going past it. So you want to be aiming to be able to breathe slowly with, with hardly any breath. It's quite counterintuitive because you think, well, I want to breathe more to get more oxygen. But actually, the less you breathe, the more oxygen you're going to be able to absorb. Mm. Yeah. So to wrap this this conversation up about breath, is there some takeaways you want to give to people? So if they're interested in starting, definitely go read the book Breath by James Nestor. Yeah. Um, contact yourself or yeah. someone similar. Uh, your mm. details will be in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but what are the takeaways for someone who's looking at just life but also surfing as well? Yeah, I think the first thing um, or the biggest takeaway that um, I want to be able to impart is create self-awareness, first of all. Um, and the, the greatest thing that you that triggers that self-awareness is how you feel, right? Because say, for example, if I'm rushing around, I'm feeling stressed. If someone's in that situation, the thing that they can do is go, how am I breathing? Oh, I'm breathing from my mouth. Close the mouth. You know, it doesn't take any training to just be able to close the mouth. But it's being able to have self-awareness reminding close the mouth, self-awareness reminding to close the mouth. Even if you didn't come and see me or go anywhere else, you will be able to um, enhance your energy and your performance and what in your concentration just by just doing that to a certain degree. And then to be able to take it a step further is to be able to build on those breathing exercises to be able to, you know, work on the CO2 tolerance and, and the breathing muscles and everything else that's involved with it. But yeah, self-awareness is the biggest thing. And to be kind about it as well. Like, you know, we are all emotional beings. It's totally fine to be stressed. It's totally fine to be calm. It's just to be able to have a choice over your state. And everyone has that choice. We can choose to change our state very quickly if we have the right tools. Thank you. And uh, finally, if mm. you are a woman listening to this, you run the women's community in Ombi. Yes. So I do, yeah, um, I do a monthly, po- uh, monthly catch-up. Um, we've got one coming up next Thursday, which is the, the 28th of uh, September. Um, I do two a day, so it, in, in, you know, gets... Uh, the two time zones? Yeah, t- two time, time zones. So um, for Australian Eastern Time, um, it's 11 o'clock in the morning and then 7 o'clock in the uh, evening. So if you've not joined uh, community.ombi.co, uh, and then you'll find the women's group in the special communities in the menu of the side. And all these details will be in the events tab when yes. you join that group. It's a private group, so you have to request. Um, basically, that's just because we want to keep it. Um, we'd like to keep everything inclusive, but there are also certain conversations that women only want to have on their own. So we created a space to just be like, for those that want to have an exclusive chat and be comfortable and create that environment, we've created it. And so Sally runs it. So you do those. You also do Q and A's, questions. You know, and, feedback. And a bit There's a lot happening. Up, yeah, people can send in their videos as well. So if you want any feedback about your surfing, um, you know, I've got various people. Some people in the wave pool. Some people in the ocean. Um, if you've got any footage or even skateboarding as well, or if you just want to be able to have a question of like, you know, I've been doing this. If you if you haven't got anything um, filming, yeah. then it's totally fine. There's also some women-specific conversations that happen there. Yeah. And there's some stuff that I've seen your training and that you go into as well. So you're uh, in an amazing position to help those women. 
not just thank as a you. surf coach, but everything else. So yeah, thank you for all you do for Ombi. Um, thank you. Even most people aren't aware of it. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, more please, more women in that group, if that sounds yeah. amazing for you, join it. Um, it doesn't exclude you from anything else in Ombi. It's just an extra little thing that we've been running for a while. Um, and thank you so much for your time, Sally. Uh, we'll right. definitely bring you on again. Thank you very much for having me.
Hey, Sally. Thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. Um, so for those who aren't aware, Sally, how you do quite a lot of things. Um, you are doing the women's group. So most of the men who are listening to this have no idea who you are because you do the women's Omni group, which is exclusive only to women for an obvious reason. But you do a hell of a lot more. And we've just done three days of waveful coaching together. And I wanted to bring you in to talk about some of the things that came up during that regarding breath work um, and so much more. But do you want to give a rough introduction to what you actually do as you're a surf coach, breath work, so many other things, you'll better explain it than I can. Sure. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me on as well, which is um, pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, I, um, I'm based on the East Coast of Australia um, in Tweed, well, kind of Tweed, Colin Gaddix, I'm right on the border. Um, and I'm a, a surf coach here, but I also teach functional breath training. So it's a little bit different to breath work. Um, breath work's kind of more classified in the breathing world as working the breath to be able to get some sort of um, experience from it. Um, whereas um, the training that I'm interested in is how people breathe functionally every day, like how they're breathing when they go into the supermarket, when they're picking up the kids, when they're cooking dinner. Um, so that's that's part of uh, what I do um, to be able to correct uh, dysfunctional breathing patterns. But the other part of what I do as well is surf apnea training. So this is uh, about how to be able to control the breath when you're in the water, um, when you're surfing, but not necessarily just surfing. It could be just any water uh, or ocean activity. Um, but most importantly is how you deal with your uh, yourself, your mind and your body and your breath after or, or during a, a hold down um, and how you come out of that as well. Now, the functional breath training comes into that quite a lot because how you're breathing on land is going to um, influence what your breathing's doing in the water because of those habitual breathing patterns. Um, so, yeah, I work with people one-on-one -on -one to correct those dys dysfunctional breathing patterns and also run workshops with the surf apnea um, area, which is what, what we did, what I did when, when we met in uh, Bristol at the wave pool, which, um, yeah, which was really good. Cool. Um, so something that just popped in my head as you're saying that, like I'm probably a bit more aware of this than most people who are listening, but what actually is a dysfunctional breath? Yes, that's a great question. Um, so we are designed to be able to breathe through our nose um, unless you are doing some sort of physical activity. So we have um, a, a tolerance point. Everybody's got a different tolerance point, and this is based on what your sensitivity is to CO2. Um, and when you reach that, uh, that tolerance point, we can change from nasal breathing to mouth breathing. Now, what tends to happen is that um, if people are breathing from their mouth and they're breathing shallow into their chest and they're breathing fast, then that tends to be more of a dysfunctional breathing pattern because we're not designed to breathe like that all the time. We're designed to breathe like that for short bouts of time when we're under demand or we're needing to be able to create energy. Um, and then we should be going back to nasal breathing 
which is slow, low, da- you know, down down the bottom. And uh, most of our main breathing muscles are actually in the bottom two thirds of our torso, and the top third up in our chest is where you have um, what we call auxiliary muscles, breathing muscles, and they're designed to be switched on for a short amount of time, then switched off because they're smaller. They're a lot smaller than those um, main breathing muscles, and that. The, the biggest breathing muscle we have is our diaphragm. So um, part of dysfunctional breathing is the inability to be able to um, have tone and strength and stability with that functional, with that um, diaphragmatic muscle. Um, now, if you're breathing from your chest, you're going to be bypassing all those muscles. And, and so the, the, you know, getting breathless, breathing through your mouth, breathing faster becomes uh, a more regular occurrence, which is classed as more dysfunctional breathing. And that can happen during the day, but it can also happen at night, which leads into snoring and can lead into um, sleep apnea and other other types of uh, breathing issues as well. So how does someone identify this? So my awareness is a severe lack of nasal breathing and belly breathing is kind of it's a summary for that. not just belly breathing because... Um, it's really interesting, this whole topic about belly breathing. And, and it's something that I've picked up with a lot of my clients when we do um, a particular breathing exercise that isolates different areas of the torso, that belly breathing is fantastic to do in a yoga class, for example. Um, and it's just using that, that, bottom, that bottom third of, of the, um, the, the muscles um, but the, the middle third, is, which is where your rib cage is, it's kind of like from underneath your armpits to the bottom two ribs. That's actually really, really quite a strong area. And it is the widest part of our rib cage. So if you imagine, if you have no strength and mobility in those ribs, if you're trying to breathe in, then it's going to be like filling up a balloon inside of a rigid cage. So being able to have that, um, that the movement within that middle area is really, really important. Um, but when when I say like breathing down low, I'm including the belly because that's obviously your, your, when the diaphragm contracts, it pushes down and that's what pushes out the organs. That's why the belly moves. Um, and um, the second third, which is the ribs. And we don't just breathe into our belly and it rises and falls. We breathe or we should be breathing. 360 degrees around. So it's, it's breathing as a cylinder and around the back of our ribs, um, it, it, you know, the, in the middle of the back is actually the widest part, um, where we can get the most movement. If you know how to use that area, if you know, have connection with those muscles. And that's, that's really important when you're surfing, right? Because you're lying on a board. So you don't want to be breathing in and out through, through your belly and trying to do, you know, force, forceful belly breathing. It's being able to engage the muscles around the back to be able to expand, and that's where you get a lot of your air coming in and out in a in a regular type of flow. So I got a couple of questions. I'm going to just try and do them one at a time. But say someone's got really bad dysfunctional breathing and surfing, how does that compound or feel or look? So let, let's not talk about like a, a specific event, but like how do, how does that kind of happen? If I'm looking, if I look over to someone who's got dysfunctional breathing and they're paddling out the back, for example, I would see someone with their mouth gaping open, um, breathing quite fast. Their face would be quite tense, but they're paddling and their body will be quite tense. Um, and, and they, 
will be out of breath really, really, really quickly. They'll be lacking energy as well. So they're kind of pushing through um, and just look, not looking um, calm and in control of the situation, kind of like very much of an out of control deer in headlights type of um, facial expression. What does that feel like for the person who's going through it? Um, like they are on the border of having a panic attack because, you know, that, that, that mouth breathing ignites the nervous system, right? So if you're constantly just feeding that, you're, you've got two parts of your autonomic nervous system, the parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest, and your sympathetic, which is that fight flight. And at the top of your lungs sits most of, of the um, sympathetic nerve receptors and the parasympathetic are down more of the bottom. So if you're breathing fast into the chest and it's, and it's really rapid breathing, then you're igniting the nervous system to be able to be on. And when it's on, and, and especially if you're not used to those sensations and you um, had past experiences that, you know, that the sensations trigger a thought of a past experience, then panic and fear can come really, really easily to that person. And, and then they just start to be able to feel that adrenaline you know, and makes them shake or shuts down the frontal cortex, which is the stress response. And, and it's very hard to think it rationally in that situation. And it's very hard to be able to create strength in, and control in that situation as well. So that's really interesting for me. Like uh, we're both surf coaches, but we spend a lot of time like trying to highlight how important breath is for functional movement, stress, maintaining all these things. But it's also one of those things that like, how do you gain control of it? And people don't have the awareness of how important and how much it dominates you. Like if you're dysfunctional breathing, if you're in a really stressed negative environment, that breath is a key to stop most of that happening. And then how do you use that? And I think there's a couple of people, especially in the community recently, have just kind of turned around and been like, holy crap, I've kind of now realized how important the breathwork stuff is that if I'm starting in a negative, dysfunctional breath before I've even started, I'm kind of setting myself up for failure. Yeah, exactly. And and what you uh, highlight with talking to those people in the community is they're starting to be, you know, create self awareness. And you you can't change anything until you have awareness of what you're doing at the beginning, and that applies to so many different areas of life. Um, but I mean, I was having this conversation with someone the other day that, you know, if someone's feeling stressed and, and they're in that fight flight state, they're not going to be able to want to just go into some nice gentle breathing when you're in a, you know, on a surfboard and there's massive waves or, or any waves coming, you know, it's a stimulating environment. Um, so it's really about being able to, um, first of all, get to know your body when you're in that state. Um, and then it's, it's getting to know uh, what the triggers are, because the triggers are really important. Some people can get into the state even before they get in the water. Some people can psych themselves out when they're when they're in the car or when they're at home, and they're like, "Oh no, I've still got to do it. I've got to push through. I've got to push through." And and it's not about the pushing through that creates skill. It's about actually being honest about, "Well, oh, this is how I feel right now," and putting a word to it or an image or, or being able to describe that feeling is a really important way of accepting it um, and then being able to work with it afterwards because, you know, a lot of us tend to uh, feel things and I think society has taught us to be able to 
quash those feelings, ignore them. Um, you know, you just got to get on with things. You know, you just put keep, on a brave keep pushing. Face. Yeah, put it on a brave face, push through, you'll be all right. But all you're doing with that is being out, you're suppressing a, a, a feeling. And, and at some point, the body breaks. And the, and the mind breaks because it can't, you can't suppress those feelings forever. It comes out in all sorts of different ways. So just even being able to sit with it and go, well, I felt, felt really tense in that session, you know, and afterwards just sitting with yourself and go, well, why was that? What did I feel? I mean, that's an amazing start. Just being able to describe that is, is really good. Yeah. Literally just putting up your hand and saying, I've got a problem. Yeah. Even if that's internally. And it's not necessarily cast as a problem because we are emotional beings and we are designed to feel negative emotions as well as positive emotions. So I don't see um, conflict or negative, you know, conflict within yourself or negative emotions that rise to the surface. I, I've never seen that as, as being a problem. I see that as an opportunity to be able to create something else. So it's all about how you frame it. Agreed. Um- so there's a couple of ways of we could take this conversation from here. And, and one of them eventually that I want to get to is how you control and manage those things. But the other thing also is that if you're hearing this or you're aware of this and you're feeling these things, you want to start getting involved in more breath work, breath training, all the variations of that, which then leads you to what I've done a lot of Wim Hof stuff. And you said something that kind of like I was not paying 100% attention when I first heard this. And it just like pulled me up and I was like, wait, what was that? When you said that Wim Hof kind of versus apnea, there's a severe difference. Massive. And someone who goes and practices Wim Hof and takes it into the surf, it's not really suited for that. No, it's absolutely. You said it's so much better, so I'll let you take it. But yeah, (laughs) kind of just, I I was complete like, well, what, what, what did you just say? Like, say that again. Yeah, so I mean, uh, this is not going to be a conversation about slating, uh, slating Wim Hof because I, I truly believe that Wim Hof has um, real value for the right people in the right situation. But so for- I'll jump in on that. For me and my partner during COVID lockdown, amazing. Waking up every morning, we couldn't drive to the surf. Great for like energizing our body for an everyday situation. Amazing for it. Absolutely. But if somebody's got a dysfunctional breathing uh, pattern already, Wim Hof is not about retraining your the functions of breathing. I know Wim Hof is starting to change um, what he talks about and talks about more nasal breathing, um, but it's, it's two different things. It's, it's a breath technique to be able to uh, change the pH of the blood to be able to have a release of endorphins. You're basically putting your body into a stress state for a short period of time and it feels good, right? I mean, like like you said, you, you couldn't go to the surf. You were doing that. It, it kind of sets you straight for the rest of the day and you're feeling as though it's like a little bit of a workout in a way. Um, but when we come to uh, the water, um, what's really, really important there is um, – and this, we're going to go into talking about the Bohr effect, right? And this is um, a physiological state of the gas exchange between oxygen coming in the body and CO2 coming out of the body. And put simply, when oxygen comes into the body, it can only detach from the blood cells and disassociate into the, the organs or the muscles or the brain if there's a presence of carbon dioxide, okay? So you think about we breathe out carbon dioxide 
Wim Hof is about breathing heavily through the mouth um, for, for like fast for, for uh, short periods of time and then breath holding. Now, the reason why somebody can hold their breath for a long period of time is because they've just dumped a whole lot of CO2 out of their body. And CO2 triggers the urge to breathe. It's your alarm response, okay? So when you hold your breath normally without doing Wim Hof, you'll get a, an urge to breathe. You want to breathe. And that's because the CO2 is rising in your blood. Now, when you do Wim Hof, that disappears. And then, yeah, you get oxygenated. But if you're holding your breath for a long period of time, that urge to breathe tends to shift along. Say if you had a graft, it shifts along towards, you know, the end of the time you're holding. And over that period of time, the oxygen starts to come down. So that alarm response doesn't come in. And if the oxygen gets too low, you can pass out. And if you're in the water and you're alone in the water, that means you pass out in the water and it's not a good situation. So Wim Hof is is just for the land. It's, you know, for um, an experience situation that you want, you know, an experiential experience uh, situation. Whereas the, yeah, whereas the, the, the apnea is very much about training the CO2 um, over long periods of time. So, you know, um, if I'm working with a client, we just do small increments of change each time that we do um, some exercises. And over a period of time, the CO2 tolerance or your resilience to CO2 gets more, thus meaning you can hold your breath for longer because that alarm response isn't kicking in all the time. Okay. Now, when you're in the surf um, and you're paddling out, like um, doing exercise, um, metabolizing food, holding your breath, that rises, CO2 rises in your body, right? When you're paddling out and you're huffing and puffing, if you're if you get onto your board and you sit there and you continue to huff and puff, you're you're just you're going from high CO2 to dumping too much if you're huffing and puffing. So you need to be able to do a particular technique, uh, which is the recovery technique, where you just offload a little bit of that CO2 and then take it into nasal breathing, and that brings everything back and it makes you recover so much faster, so much faster. So a couple of things that come up, and I think yeah, we we. Both of us uh, proponents for Wim Hof. There's some really good stuff there. And I think he's an amazingly charismatic person. And, and what you were trying to, a lot of that stuff there is it kept triggering his own marketing catchphrases, which were higher in your own supply. And when I think of that, I'm like, yep, that's exactly how I felt. It felt amazing. I enjoyed it. Um, I've since fallen out of it just because of, you know, life changes, practices, habits fall away. But it's never something that I thought about doing before surfing. Because I guess me and my personality type, I want to relax and be calm. I always want to try and be as calm as I can doing something. And that never gave me that. But then when you said that, it made me realize like, maybe there is people going out there and doing that. And then the other thing that I want to draw attention to is big wave surfers. Most of them, as far as I'm aware, I don't go around and talk to every single one of them. They're doing apnea training for an obvious reason. And it makes so much more sense when you explain how the body functions. And when I started going through it, I was like, yes, this makes entire sense. And there's a reason the big wave surfers are more becoming aware of how they function with their body. And this is that something that an everyday surfer can train and learn and feel and take control of their body and their mind. And when you were going through it and you were saying how it's all connected to body, mind, breath, they're all interlinked. And if one's missing, then the system's kind of out of place. 
Yeah, and it's um, just going back to you know what you were saying about Wim Hof. I um, I've got a very overreactive nervous system, um, and I actually um, I've tried Wim Hof, and I actually found that it it switched my nervous system on too much that I couldn't switch off. So I have to um, do lots of uh, slow type of breathing. Um, and at, and I do do some stimulating stuff, but I can't do it every day. It's not one of these things of like I do I do this particular breathing because it's based on a, a a breathing technique called Tumo breathing. So there's lots of different type of fast breathing stuff that you can do. Um, but it's being able to know your body type. I mean, I have a particular condition that that my nervous system um, triggers triggers my heart to beat a little bit too fast. So I have to be quite aware of that. And a lot of people that are starting to do breath training or breath work. Um, I feel there needs to be a little bit more screening involved because, you know, if I didn't know anything and I just started Wim Hof and I wasn't aware of this condition, then, it, you know, it, it could have kind of like pushed me to being um, a little bit too buzzy on, and not being able to sleep. And, and the idea is, is that you want to be on and then you want to be able to switch off. And 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 that's why I, um, I teach and I practice like on breathing, you know, the fast breathing and then the off breathing, because we need to teach the nervous system how to be on when it needs to be on, like when you catch a wave. And then when you paddle back out and sit on your board, you need to be able to recover and switch off and then take in the environment to be able to do that. And and that's what the big wave surfers have been able to, uh, a training for, because, you know, when you're in massive surf, you, you can't, you got to have some sort of recovery when you when you're getting back out there. And the the training that I've done is um, based on um, uh, the original training was was from a guy called Augusto Vegas. Um, so he is a Peruvian big wave surfer and um, a free diving uh, free diver and a, a spear fisherman as well. And um, you know, and he's been able to create this training and teach it to thousands of people around the world. Um, and more and more I see, even with the WSL, I see that, um, there's surfers that are, are sitting waiting to go out for their heat and they're doing some sort of hyperventilation. Now, what I want to know is, are they being able to bring their CO2 levels up again before they paddle out? Because, you know, if you're offloading all of that, then you're going to be able to, you're, you're getting confused, you're, you're tingling. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's being able to use it in the right situation. So, which that that opens up so many other questions and things that this isn't the right conversation to have it. But I feel like uh, for those who are listening, the WSL is not the place to like take things away from and be like, oh, what's Mick Fanning doing? And I'm like, Mick Fanning's like your top zero point one percent of surfers who is in a competitive environment, and you are potentially a weekend warrior going out for your once to twice a week surf in three high slop. You know, doesn't really. And the way they're surfing and what they're doing and how they're preparing for it, I'm just like, that's not really applicable to most people. And also we're seeing a snippet of it. So they may be doing like the end of a series of whatever they're doing, you know, or the beginning of a series. Like, So you can't just go, oh, they're doing that. I'm going to do that. You know, it's, yeah, you have to be able to know what the whole picture is. Their whole support team, like between coach, trainers, physios, uh, the support staff from the WSL, there is probably 20 people involved on just coaching one person to success. It's um, yeah, extreme. So a couple other questions, I guess, that come up through this is that kind of understanding that what type of breath, the dysfunctional breath, um, how does someone 
get involved in this. So someone is listening to this, is sitting here thinking like, yes, I understand. Like, so from a coaching perspective, backtrack a bit. We've probably, if you're listening to this, you've heard this before, but hopefully you understand that through breath work or just not even breath work, just breathing, breathing out, you move better, you function better. So your ability to do turns or different things in surfing is much easier when you breathe out during that and having control over your breast, yada, yada, yada. It, it just feels better. So if you don't know how to do that, go try and make your body feel tensed and then breathe out and release that tension and see how you feel and move. That's a really simple thing you can do. Hopefully you understand that and you now start understanding the importance of breath and how you need to be better at it, understand your body, everything else. So if you're in that mindset, now you obviously, you're in the Gold Coast, you run workshops, one-on-ones, you do a bunch of stuff down there. Uh, Flow State is your business name, correct? Yeah, Flow State, my yep. breath motion, yeah. Um, so people can find you that way, but say just someone's listening to this and they're not on the Gold Coast or whatever else, like how does someone generally get started in undergoing the process of I want to learn more and understand my body with breath? So um, I work with people online um, and have done for a, a few years now. Um, and what I do with everybody that I work with one-on-one is that um, we start off with a session of a breath assessment. And it's, that's really, really important to be, for me to be able to get to know um, how this person eats, how they sleep, how they think, um, if they've had uh, have or had asthma um, or any other um, medical conditions, uh, what medication they're on, what supplements they're on. Um, and that's um, really important to go through that questionnaire. But then I also do some breathing assessments with them as, as well. So there's an assessment that I do that um, measures their tolerance or, or their, their resilience to, to CO2. Um, and then also an assessment to be able to see uh, how quickly they get breathless as well. Um, so when, after I've got all that information, then I can design um, a six-session uh, package um, where the um, breathing exercises are related to the, the, the findings of the assessment. So everything's personalized to, to that person. And the one thing about breathing is you cannot get um, changes quickly. Like you can't say to somebody, right, okay, in the next week you're going to be doing a three-minute breath hold um, because is the breathing – is such a survival thing for us. And it's like the number one thing that we have to be able to be doing every moment of the day. So if we push anything to do with the breathing too far, then the brain can can sometimes um, remember that as a trauma. And then that becomes a past experience. And then, you know, that's, that's something that stays with that person. So it's all about um, gradual changes on a regular basis. So whatever breathing stuff we do within the training session, then I encourage that person to be able to not do the same breathing session every single day, but to choose one or two of those exercises and incorporate it into their day. And especially if they're busy, they may not have time to be able to lie down and breathe. So I'm like, okay, well, when you when you go um, for a walk, you can be doing this walking breath exercise or when you're sitting at your desk, you can be doing some breath holds, out breath holds while you're sitting at the desk. And it's really about being able to incorporate it into everyday life. So we're changing the habitual breathing patterns 
in in real life. And we're also working on that that uh, gas exchange, but it's also working on the emotions because if you start getting used to those sensations and start recognizing it, like I said at the beginning, that self awareness, then that's going to be a lot uh, of it. It's going to be a lot easier to be able to change those uh, dysfunctional breathing patterns. So it sounds like for someone who wants to get into this, they've really got to talk to someone in the know, a professional like yourself, because it sounds. For lack of a better term, like you need to go and get diagnosed like a doctor because the way my breath functions is going to be very different to my partners, Absolutely. to my friends, to this and that. And it's not just jump in, here's your your workout routine, go and do 10 reps of this, yada, yada, yada. That's just not going to function. It's not going to work. So for someone who is serious about changing their breath and learning to be better to then also not just like, I kind of do this in my personal opinion. Do this for your life. Don't do this for surfing. Yeah, and, and this is the, very yeah. much, yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah. Um, surfing is like a, a byproduct for me. Like there's so many things I talk about in this podcast and other things that it's just like, just go be a better human because that, that's going to be everywhere. And breath, 100%, better sleep, better everything. Stress management. Gym exercises, stress. Even work. digestion of your food. Like you can't digest food if you're in a stress state. All the blood goes to your limbs, you know. So, I mean, lots of gut problems um, tend to come from being stressed and, and breathing too heavily and fast, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, if you are interested, you can obviously chat to, to Sally about that. I'll put that in the show notes, a link to your website, um, how to contact you. But someone wants to get into it, really either Sally or someone similar. That's what you need to go down the path of finding that and identifying how you're breathing and how to do that. When this gets to their surfing, how, how will they see an impact? How will they see a change? So the biggest impact they're going to be able to see is the uh, amount of energy that they have and how sustainable that energy will be. And that's mostly uh, because of muscle strength. Like if they start breathing from the, the lower two thirds and they start connecting with those muscles, which are bigger breathing muscles, and they start building strength with those bigger breathing muscles, then as soon as they have a load and they have an energy output, then those muscles aren't going to tire as quickly as what they would have done when they were weaker. So that means that you're going to be able to have slower breath, uh, more controlled breath for a lot longer which means that you're not going to feel any of those sensations of that, you know, that air hunger or that panic, which is then going to have an impact on you emotionally, which makes you feel a lot, lot, lot more mentally stronger as well. So it's, it's a massive effect, I think. And um, it's, it's something that I think is underestimated how much it can benefit um, in surfing, but also in day-to-day stuff, you know. So if you get triggered emotionally, you can keep that breath nice and slow or you can uh, do a, a, you know, a particular technique that I teach and then bring it back down because we are designed to get heightened and then come back down again. So, yeah, absolutely. So that, I think I want to put this into a little story for people listening to really understand that. And it's one I've told before, but like fitness in surfing, I tend to think is a load of bollocks sometimes. Because it's not about how big or how muscular you are. It's about how you use and function your body, which breath, mind, body, fitness, everything. So when I was back in Australia and the first time I met you, which was 18 months or so ago, uh, lovely to be home, 
surfing Alley, which for those who aren't aware is a point break that can have a lot of sweep. So you are endlessly paddling. You're at a point break, which you could paddle for 20 minutes to get back up to the top of the peak, or you could be on a sweep and you just endlessly paddle and kind of catch a wave and then run around. But we went out there with a um, close friend of Mombi, uh, James, who's quite muscular and goes to the gym and is doing bodybuilding. So he's quite big. Uh, then you had me, who's kind of an average fitness. I would go to the gym, but I'm not bulking. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm just like, I want to be a better driver of my body. And then you have Clay, who does no exercise. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Like, Clay is not a fit person in my mind at he all. He serves and that's it. <laughs> that's all he does. Um, so on this day, obviously, I've currently living in the UK. Uh, point breaks don't exist. So being paddle fit for point breaks wasn't in my body prior to this trip. But being out in the, the point breaks there and the sweep, and James was so shocked because he just had no energy. He could barely paddle. Uh, he spent the whole session struggling and I'm looking at him just going like, you know, a lot of this is to do with how stressed he is. He is a beginner. He doesn't have as much experience. He's not like a learn to surf beginner. He's paddling out the back on a, on a bigger board, but he doesn't have the experience that everyone else does. He doesn't know how to be a good driver of his body out in the surf and breath work, looking at his face, the things that you said when you're dysfunctioning breathing, that is exactly how I describe him in that situation. You've got 500 of your closest friends on shoulder high waves at Cromanale. It's packed. There's a lot of people. There's more people to dodge than waves to surf. Uh, and we're watching one point where I'm paddling up, I'm passing James. And then there's another point where Clay's just out paddling me. And I'm just sitting there looking at him going, you bloody bastard. And when you talk about this concept of like when your breath is really good, and you have control over it and it connects with your body and your mind, I clearly look at that and go, that was clay in that moment. Um, I had issues with my fitness, but I would definitely put my head up and say that in that environment, I was not as calm as him. Um, even though I felt really calm, that's his bread and butter every day. Goes out to Corumban, surfs the point breaks, surfs the beach breaks, surfs whatever. He is a calm, cool cat most of the time in the surf. I've never seen him stressed out I know he's told me stories, but I've never seen him physically. And I directly link that to like, yes, James is super fit. He's got so much muscle. He should be able to out paddle us. And I'm like, he's stressed out and has no control over his breath. And that is destroying his ability to paddle. So through this long-winded story, I feel like if you're a listener, you're surfing, it doesn't matter how fit you are. If you're a good driver of your body and you can be similar to Clay, who is skin and bone, uh, doesn't have a lot of muscle, but control that body surf smarter, paddle smarter, all those kind of things, so much better. Your body, feel more energy, all those things. It's a massive benefit to you to aim for that as a goal. And, and you also got to think that, like, that, you know, the, the diaphragm connects on to the spine, which gives spinal stability. Um, it's also um, the pelvic floor and the diaphragm, you know, very much work together as well. Um, and, and that's your core. So if you have um, efficient and functional breathing, um, those muscles are going to be more toned and they're going to be stronger. That's meaning that your core is going to be stronger. So, and, and as you know, when you're lying on a surfboard, when you're surfing, the, the main thing if you, you need to be using is your core muscles. 
So it's like it, it goes hand in hand, like just in a in a in a uh, biomechanics uh, concept, you know. And and in terms of the emotions and and your thoughts, it's when if you're in a unusual or uncomfortable situation, um, it's not about you can't change that situation, but you can change how you think about the situation. And you know, if you're freaking out, it's going to be really really hard to be able to go. I need to breathe slowly. Um, so being able to, you know, do that, do a recovery breath, um, have, um, a a sequence of of different thought patterns to be able to work through, to be able to bring you out of that state is really, really important because when you're in the ocean, it's one of those, um, few environments that if you don't have a handle on yourself and you panic, it's not a good situation because the ocean is bigger than us. The ocean is, is powerful. Um, and, and we have to be able to make the right decisions to be able to stay safe as well as being able to surf the waves and having fun. So nice. Yeah. Um, completely agree. Is there anything else you wanted to add to this conversation around getting into breath work, understanding it a bit more? You know, I think someone who's listening to this should understand quite clearly how it benefits them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, asleep is a, is a major one that um, I think is underestimated as well, that um, how we breathe during the day influences how we breathe during the night. And we tend to, if you're a mouth breather during the day, you will most likely, uh, without you know me assessing you or um, looking at how you're breathing, you're most likely going to be a, a snorer and, and a mouth breather at night. And um, and it's really hard, especially, I mean, it's, it's easy if you've got a partner and they can say, yeah, you, you were snoring all night. But one of the ways that you can be able to uh, see if you are a, a mouth breather is if you've had a full eight hours sleep and you haven't had any alcohol the night before um, or any big meals or anything, um, and you're waking up with a dry mouth and you're feeling as though that you've been hit by a bus, um, the chances are that you have had your engine idling all night um, and you've been mouth breathing, which as we are, uh, what I spoke about earlier is when you are mouth breathing, it triggers the nervous system, right? Um, and, and you'll be firing that, that uh, fight flight on a very low level all the way through the night, which takes energy and it burns energy. So when you're waking up, even though you have been asleep, you ha- you've been idling all night um, and, it, and it's exhausting. So being able to... Um, for the right people, and I only talk, talk to my clients about this, but you can tape your mouth. You can use things like this to be able to tape your mouth. This is one that is from Oxygen Advantage. This is um, I'm an Oxygen Advantage coach, um, and it's basically just fits over the lips, and you can still move your lips. You can still open your mouth, um, and it's based on proprioception, and, and proprioception is, is where your brain knows where your body is in space. So it's really being able to just have something gentle being able to bring the lips together. And the other thing that I use is that I cut a piece of surgical tape. So this is um, like a furry tape that isn't very sticky, but it sticks enough. It doesn't rip your skin off. Um, And I normally cut a little bit and put it over, but some like my husband has a beard, so he only puts it over his lips. Or you can put a little bit in the middle so you can have a gap either side. And that just enables the the jaw to close and not, you know, tightly, but the lips to close it. the jaw to come back. Yeah. Um, and, and then that in, it encourages the nasal breathing because obviously when we're asleep, we don't know 
what we're doing with our body. So it just, it's, it's a tool, it's a tool to use. But I also say that, um, if you've got any prior um, medical conditions or obviously if you've got a cold or a stuffy nose or hay fever or whatever, you don't want to be doing this. But it's something to be able to work towards. And your bulk score or, or the way that I do the assessment for how tolerant you are to, to CO2 or how, how um, resistant you are to it, um, the higher you get that score, the easier it is to be able to breathe, so the less likely it's going to be for you to be able to snore. So the quality of the sleep is really important because when you wake up the next day, if you're feeling stressed because you've had a bad sleep, then you're going to breathe badly. If you're feeling rested, then you're going to be able to breathe nice and slowly. So, so I'm going to digest some of that and put into some uh, words for people to understand a bit more with a real term. So I, me and my partner both mouth tape. Um, what I want to uh, say to people is you are not flex taping your mouth. You're not sealing it shut. And you're um, not using you're, gaffer tape. <laughs> no, it's so if you want to think about like surgical tape is, is what we use. Um, obviously, Sally, you can't see the video here, but showed a specific tape that's set up for that. Um, it, it's we use like 10 mil, so one centimeter wide surgical tape, and we just do a vertical strip from kind of under your nose to under your lip. And that just kind of invites it. But we also have the ability in our mouth to open and break open the the tape that one end splits so you're never like you're never out of breath you're never going to be in a difficult situation um but i will say from personal experience uh my partner and i both have said this to each other frequently over the years of doing this that uh if we forget the mouth tape and we travel if we misplace it if we go to sleep without doing it we wake up every morning and we're like my mouth my body feels like crap I didn't put mouth tape on. We can, we're at a point where we can instantly tell from a night's sleep, did I do this? Did I not do it because of how my body feels? Uh, which then leads me to another question. Um, so we came upon this from the amazing book, Breath by James Nestor. Now, Fantastic I didn't look book. at that book. Great. Answered my question because I didn't look at that book from the perspective of surfing. I just looked at that book about like, how do I be a better human? So that is a book that you would recommend for people who are also thinking about breasts for surfing i yeah i think that is a great gateway book into learning about how your body functions and how your breath functions now if you want to be able to use your breath um to enhance your surfing you have to understand how your breath is in any situation um and uh, the thing that i like about that book is um one it's really user friendly but it also talks about all breathing modalities so it talks about Patrick McEwen with the um oxygen advantage it talks about Wim Hof it talks about other types of breathing um modalities and then the experiment that he does with um Alston in it is a really good eye opener of um what happens when you mouth breathe over a long period of time. So he, him and Austin, they stuff uh, silicon plugs up their nose for two weeks and then they um, are studied by some scientists at Stanford University and, and you know, the results are outstanding, I think, um, and, and how quickly the body changes as well was, was really quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, I totally recommend that. And just one thing on the mouth taping, if, if the concept of it, freaks you out 
which I totally understand because it's weird, right? <laughs> it's totally, it is. It is a weird concept to be taping your mouth you when, tell you're, when you're not conscious. You tell people do this. Yeah, and they they're look just at you like, like, are you a free loop? <laughs> Yeah, it's it is totally weird. So what I um, recommend um, is that you put it on during the day when you're reading a book, watching TV, um, and just get used to it. First of all, get used to the sensation of something on your lips. Get used to the fact that you'll you'll be breathing through the nose. Um, and for someone who's a chronic mouth breather, that may be too strong. First of all, because you know breathing through the nose, you have to breathe slower. You have to breathe lower, um, and the uh, that urge to breathe can kick in depending you know on where someone sits with their with their um resilience towards the co2 so experiment when you're fully conscious if you if it goes well and it's okay then you know it will take probably about a week um we say about a week to get used to it when you're sleeping i've woken it with it on my head on my butt on my elbow you know all sorts of different places because i'll just machine. take it off yeah Sheets, take it off. It's everywhere. Like, yeah, you take it off uh, just completely subconsciously so it does take a little bit of time but i mean i've been taping for about 3 years now and i i've pretty much got to the stage now where um i can get away with not taping when i when i forget it um, but if I, uh, I get allergies, if I have had something that's triggered my allergies, I do tend to snore. So that's why I tend to, you know, keep, um, keep taping, um, because yeah, because of those situations, but everyone's individual, everyone's individual. Yeah. Disclaimer, it won't stop the, uh, the nose snoring. That, no. That's still, and the reason being with that is, is because the soft palate still vibrates. But, and that's why you have to work on your bulk test. That's why you have to work on building that resilience to CO2. Because if, you're, if your resilience goes up, then you start to breathe slower. So that means the flow of air coming in is not going to be as forceful. And that, the, the soft palate only vibrates when there's forceful air going past it. So you want to be aiming to be able to breathe slowly with, with hardly any breath. It's quite counterintuitive because you think, well, I want to breathe more to get more oxygen. But actually, the less you breathe the more oxygen you're going to be able to absorb. Yeah. So to wrap this, this conversation up about breath, is there some takeaways you want to give to people? So if they're interested in starting, definitely go read the book Breath by James Nestor. Um, contact yourself or someone similar. Uh, your details will be in the show notes. Um, but what are the takeaways for someone who's looking at just life but also surfing as well? Yeah, I think the first thing, um, well, the biggest takeaway that um, I want to be able to impart is create self-awareness, first of all. Um, and the, the greatest thing that, you, that triggers that self-awareness is how you feel, right? Because say, for example, if I'm rushing around, I'm feeling stressed. If someone's in that situation, the thing that they can do is go, how am I breathing? Oh, I'm breathing from my mouth. Close the mouth. You know, it doesn't take any training to just be able to close the mouth. But it's being able to have self-awareness, reminding, close them up. Self-awareness, reminding, close them up. Even if you didn't come and see me or go anywhere else, you will be able to um, enhance your energy and your performance and what in your concentration just by just doing that to a certain degree. And then to be able to take it a step further is to be able to build on those breathing exercises to be able to, you know, work on the CO2 tolerance and, and the breathing muscles and everything else that's involved with it. But yeah, self-awareness is the biggest thing. And to be kind about it as well. Like, you know, we are all emotional beings. It's totally fine to be stressed. 
it's totally fine to be calm. It's just to be able to have a choice over your state. And everyone has that choice. We can choose to change our state very quickly if you have the right tools. Thank you. And uh, finally, if you are a woman listening to this, you run the women's community in Ombi. Yes. So I do, yeah. Um, I do a monthly po- uh, a monthly catch up. Um, we've got one coming up next Thursday, which is the the twenty eighth of uh, September. Um, I do two a day, so it in, in you know gets uh, the two time zones. Yeah, t- two time time zones. So um, for Australia Eastern Time, um, it's eleven o'clock in the morning, and then seven o'clock in the uh, evening. So if you've not joined our community.ombi.co uh, and then you'll find the women's group in the special communities in the menu of the side and all these details will be in the events tab when you join that group. It's a private group so you have to request. Um, basically, that's just because we want to keep it. Um, we like to keep everything inclusive, but there are also certain conversations that women only want to have on their own. So we created a space to just be like, for those that want to have an exclusive chat and be comfortable and create that environment, we've created it. And so Sally runs it. So you do those. You also do Q&As, questions, you know, and, feedback. And a bit There's a of lot happening. Yeah, people can send in their videos as well. So if you want any feedback about your surfing, um, you know, I've got various people, some people in the wave pool, some people in the ocean. Um, if you've got any footage or even skateboarding as well, or if you just want to be able to have a question of like, you know, I've been doing this, if you, if you haven't got anyone um, filming you, that's totally fine. There's also some women-specific conversations that happen there. And there's some stuff that I've seen your training and that you go into as well. So you're uh, an amazing position to help those women, not just thank as a you. surf coach, but everything else. So yeah, thank you for all you do for Ombi. Um, thank you. Even most people aren't aware of it. Um, <laughs> Uh, and yeah, more please, more women in that group. If that sounds yeah. amazing for you, join it. Um, it doesn't exclude you from anything else in Ombi. It's just an extra little thing that we've been running for a while. Um, and thank you so much for your time, Sally. Uh, we'll no definitely bring you on again. Thank you very much for having me.